Today's episode will cover topics pertaining to surgery and the health circumstances that led to my surgery. If this is something that makes you uncomfortable, you may want to skip this episode or wait to listen at a later time. The Lupus Living Podcast. Today's episode, Lupus and Having Surgery. everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Lupus Living Podcast. This is Gwen Alexander, and it feels good to be recording an episode after quite a long break. I want to thank everyone for checking on me over the past few months. I did a Facebook Live a few months ago where I talked a little bit about what was going on or what has been going on in the last few months and how I was recovering from surgery. I felt a little embarrassed as I almost started crying while talking. It just kind of shows you how how um, things I was going through were kind of overwhelming. One thing I try to do is keep the podcast real. I try to be positive as I share how I deal with living with lupus and other things that come up in my life. But let's admit it, sometimes life just sucks. <laughs> All the comments on the video and the emails I've received have encouraged me. But I needed to take time to heal physically and once again, figure out how to get back on track. So where do I start? The last episode I uploaded was in August of 2022, almost seven months ago. I was doing okay, pretty okay health-wise at that time. I was staying active or trying to become active or be more active, and any flare-ups I had, they weren't too bad, so they were manageable. At the end of August of 2022, I had an appointment with my primary care doctor. I was just a regular checkup, so it wasn't like I was having issues and I needed to discuss something. When my doctor walked into the office, his first question was, are you okay? And I was not feeling okay, but I just figured I'm in the middle of a bad flare. I've been busy, you know, work's been busy, life's been busy, and I just needed to get this under control. So that was kind of the start of my issues. Those of us living with lupus, we deal with a fatigue or extreme fatigue, so that's normal life for most of us. Something else that we may deal with is anemia, where we have low levels of iron in our blood. I've been anemic since my lupus diagnosis. Even while taking iron supplements, my iron levels were always still pretty low. Fast forward for about a week after my doctor appointment, I was on the phone with one of his nurses. I had gotten to the point where I was so weak, I couldn't walk from my bedroom to my kitchen without having to sit down because I was so tired, and my muscles ached. But this was a different feeling from my normal, my muscle aches. It was aching, and I, my muscles were very weak. I could barely lift my backpack with the things that I would carry for work each day. Then to walk to my car, or walk from my car to my office, uh, it took just way more uh, energy than usual, and that would take the elevator. And I have to admit, this was starting to scare me around that time. And just to give you a warning, I'm about to get somewhat graphic about things that pertain to like a woman's period and, and symptoms she experienced with that. 
So something else was happening during that time where I was having very heavy random periods. Now I'm 46 years old and I'm perimenopausal, but the way I was bleeding was not normal. It was so bad that every one and a half to two hours, I had to change my Phenom product that I was using. And uh, this would go through the night. So it wasn't like this was just a day thing and then I could sleep all night. There were times I'd wake up at midnight or 2 a.m. and I'd have to wash my bed sheets because I had let through my products that I was using and I was not getting any sleep because I had to keep waking up every one and a half to two hours to change my feminine products and or change my bedding. Now, at that time, I was using those overnight pads. And if you've ever seen those, things are huge. So they're built for to be able to hold a lot. But my I was just soaking right through them. When I would go to the bathroom, what I saw in the toilet started to scare me too. I had not seen this much blood and I was having awful cramps. I mean, the kind of cramps where I couldn't stand or sit without pain. And my I would bleed randomly. It wasn't like, you know, I'd do this for four or five days and then it's done. I would probably go for seven days and then maybe take a day or two off. It, it was, you couldn't really plan on doing anything or you had to carry stuff with you just in case. And I was even starting to carry extra clothes with me just in case if I had an accident. Now I'd had irregular periods for a few years where it might go a little bit longer like in between. So I knew, like I said, I was perimenopausal, but that didn't bother me. I mean, I prefer not have to deal with the regularity part, but the, like I said, the part that scared me was what the bleeding well, that was happening. So the first week in September of 2022, I made it to work, but I was so weak. I was sitting at my desk and looking, I was like just looking down, staring at my desk. And one of my coworkers worked by and asked, are you okay? And I just told her, no. I, I don't feel good. And then I, I told her what had been happening and how I felt. And she told me, you better call your doctor like this morning and tell them what you just told me. So I called in and left a message for my primary care nurse to, you know, give me a call. I kind of told her what it was about a little bit on the message. And then when she did call back, I explained what what I was going through. And she said, you call your gynecologist now and tell them what is happening. So by this time, I'm starting to freak out. And I'm kind of crying because I'm tired. I hurt. You know, it's just like, now what? You know, what's wrong? I'm trying so hard to like take care of myself and, you know, keep my lupus under control, try to get my labs done, take my medicine. Not, you know, it's like, okay, now what's happening? So I called my gynecologist right after I got off the phone with my primary care nurse. And then I explained to the nurse at the gynecologist office what my symptoms were. And she said, we need to make you an appointment. Can you come in in two days? I was like, sure. I mean, this was really moving quickly, which I'm glad it did now looking back on all this. So I'm trying to tell myself it'll be okay. It'll be okay because I still had work and I still had my life to live. So your life doesn't stop just because everything else seems to go off the wall. So I had all these thoughts going through my head. You know, what if they find something else? What if, what if? I took a day and I took a half a day off on that day for my appointment. And for me to get to my gynecologist, it's a 45 minute drive. And then you, you once you get there, you know, you have to sit a little bit and wait. And, and I knew they'd probably want to do some type of sonogram or something. So I went in, talked to my doctor about my symptoms and she wanted a sonogram done. And I'm thinking, good, you know, let's get this checked out. And luckily at their office, they can do that right there. So I didn't have to 
make an appointment to go somewhere else to get it done. So after they did the test, she came in, she told me what they found. And she said, your uterus is the size of a woman who is 21 weeks pregnant. And you should have seen the look on my face. I was just like, what? I said, what in the world? You know, no wonder I had such bad cramps. And then she said, you have lots of fibroids, like they're big ones. So uterine fibroids are gross on your uterus. And I forgot how many she said I had, but there were several of them and they were big. As she is telling me this, she has this look of concern on her face. So, you know, lucky I have a doctor that understands. She's actually about my age. So that helps that she knows what I'm going through probably. I know where this is leading and I'm hoping for where this is leading. I've been wanting this for a while. She also informed me you're retaining about a liter of fluid. And I was like, yeah, I feel like that because I always have this full feeling. And well, and I guess the big uterus would make me feel full too. Now I love my gynecologist and the staff there because I could tell she was trying to console me for what she, the next thing she was about to say. So she said, we recommend a hysterectomy. I was like, okay, you know, let's do this. And the reason she was trying to be kind is I have no children. So this would mean I will never have children. And I had already dealt with these feelings years ago. I already knew I was okay with not having kids. And I also told her, I don't feel like having my reproductive organs removed would make me any less of a woman. I'm in this group on Facebook with all of us who have had Uh, some type of hysterectomy, and we're all at different phases of our either before, during, or after. And some of them have a voice that it feels weird that, you know, they don't have that anymore. And, and, you know, everybody goes through their own journey, but I'd already kind of gone through all that before. And so I was ready. I was just like, you know, I can't continue to live like this. So when she saw I was mentally ready for this, then it started the ball rolling on getting it done. So I got a call that afternoon from the nurse saying that they're working on getting the date for the surgery and some things that I would have to do to prepare before surgery. I said, okay, but I had never had surgery before. So I didn't realize everything you had to do before so they could make sure you're healthy enough to actually have the surgery. But um, like, as I mentioned, uh, my doctor is 45 minutes away. So whenever I had to schedule all this stuff, I have to do it, it, you know, I had to take time off work. When I found out that, okay, you're going to have surgery, I went to my supervisor to let them know the situation. I didn't give them a lot of details, but let them know that um, I'm going to probably be having surgery, hopefully in the next month or two. But as soon as I find out more, I will let you know. I already knew that one day I probably would have to have some type of hysterectomy. Now, three years ago, I actually chose this particular doctor's office for my gynecological needs. Because the head doctor that was there was the person, if I ever had this surgery, I wanted her to perform my surgery. Plus, she was affiliated with the hospital that I have all my, you know, like my lupus doctor, my primary care doctor is part of this hospital network. And what else? My heart doctor, like all these other doctors. Oh, and my um, one for my thyroid, too. So there she was affiliated with this hospital also. So if there was a problem, which I was hoping there wasn't, you know, I'd already have all my medical notes were there. If my, any of my doctors had to come see me, it's not like they had to get clearance or anything to come see me in this hospital. I did have a visit later, probably like it was probably two weeks later with the actual doctor that would be performing the surgery. And when she did the exam on me, she said, oh yeah, you you need this surgery. Now, they uh, what they were going to do is they would remove my cervix, my uterus and my fallopian tubes. So I was going to get to keep my ovaries. She didn't mention this, but I I know that if this had happened, 
let's say they did find an issue with my ovaries, especially if they were really bad, that they probably would take them out. So I was hoping to be able to keep my ovaries because I really don't want to be thrown into menopause all of a sudden. One of the things she also told me is because you have such a big uterus and my uterus was higher because I've never had kids, that she wouldn't be able to do the surgery laparoscopically, which would uh, be less invasive. She was going to have to make an incision on my lower abdomen, which would increase the time I needed to heal. So she recommended at least six weeks off of work. Um, and I thought, okay, I can do that. It worked out perfectly because I still had three weeks of vacation left um, for the year and I also had three weeks of sick time. So if I needed to, I could actually take days off without pay. But because of the time of year, I mean, now I, I haven't mentioned when the surgery was, but where I work, if we have holidays during a week, you're on vacation or take sick time, you get the holiday pay first. So that will give you an extra vacation day or extra day of sick time. So it so happened when I had my surgery, that happened. So I, I wasn't too worried about if I had to take a day off without pay. If you remember in one of the past episodes I did about lupus and finances, I talked about, you know, making your emergency budget. And I, I went into, okay, if I am not going to get paid or if I'm going to be off a while, do I need to cancel any subscription services right now? You know, what do I need to do to make sure that financially I'll be okay? So I was good and I wasn't worried about that because I had planned for things like this in the past. Since I'd never had surgery before, I didn't know about all the pre-surgery stuff I had to do. There were EKGs, make sure my heart's okay, uh, more blood work, checking all kinds of stuff, blood types and things like that. So I was trying to schedule as much as possible that I could do on the same day because I didn't want to use all my sick time trying to do this. And one of the things that my doctor found after my blood work is my iron levels were very, very low. Now, these were very, very low. When the nurse called me to even give me my results, she's like, yeah, um, you need to have the doctor just ordered some iron infusions for you and she wants you to have two of them. I was like, whoa. So I had to schedule two iron infusions a week apart before the surgery. And um, each time that I went in to get it done, they were like, why is your blood pressure so high? And I tried to explain to them, well, okay, I just found out I need surgery. I'm bleeding really bad all the time. I'm trying to get ready to have surgery. Plus, I'm trying to get everything together at work for I'm going to be gone six weeks. You know, I, I just got a lot going on right now. Something else that I was dealing with is the feeling um, like my uterus was going to fall out since it was so large. When I started about two weeks before they had my surgery scheduled, which I'll tell you now, it was scheduled for November 14th. So I'm about in... September is when I had the the um, appointment with the doctor where she examined me, the ones that was going to actually do the surgery. And then so most of October, they were trying to get me scheduled. So it wasn't until November 14th when I actually had the surgery. So during that time, I still had to deal with a lot of my symptoms. And it got to the point like two, two and a half weeks before my surgery, every time I stood up, it felt like something was pulling on my lower abdomen. It, and then it was always aching. It was always a dull ache and constantly, and I was randomly bleeding still. When I they finally scheduled the surgery, I was informed I had to go to my primary care doctor to get cleared, you know, make sure, look at all my test results, make sure everything looks okay. And um, when I went to him, you know, he looked over my notes. He said, yeah, we'll clear you for it. And And he looked at me and said, your quality of life is about to get so much better. I'm thinking, I hope so. Because you see, since that... Uh, time I saw him in August, 
I hadn't been able to really, you know, I was trying to exercise, ride my bike or just, just move. And because I was so low in my iron and losing blood, and I now know that my muscles weren't getting the oxygen that they needed because I was losing so much blood. So the few days, because I, when I had my primary care doctor okay me, it was about four days before my surgery because we were getting down to the wire here. So I spent those last few days trying to get my house ready. We had already been working on my job to make sure that everything I did was taken care of by other people in my department. So it worked out really well. <laughs> I bought some things to help me at home. Like I bought one of these uh, seats for my toilet that, that are higher because I knew what, where they were going to cut me. I wouldn't be able to bend over really well. Um, I set my bed up with things on it so I wouldn't have to try and carry anything. I had a walker because I, I knew I would get it to, um, and then on my sofa, I put some cushions that would help me um, sit higher so I wouldn't have to strain trying to stand up so quickly. What else? I had magazines. I had, <clears throat> excuse me, I had garbage cans set up around me so I could, you know, wouldn't have to worry about trying to find a garbage can. I had different Kleenex stations. I even set up my kitchen to where I wouldn't have to reach over like reach on reach in the cabinet to get dishes or anything. So everything was level. Um, I got cans of soup to eat uh, for, you know, just for lunch or whatever I felt like I eat. Cause I, even though everybody's like, Oh, Gwen, we'll give you some food. I'm like, y'all don't realize I'm not going to feel like eating anything. I'm going to be in a lot of pain. But one thing I know that's what people like to do. They like to give you food to show their care. But I was so worried about all this food going to waste because I was like, I'm not going to get through all of this. Plus, I won't probably won't be very hungry. I remember the night before my surgery, I could barely sleep. I was kind of worried, but relieved at the same time. But, you know, just thinking about everything and finally having it here, it's like, okay, we got this. It'll, it'll be okay. I go to the hospital that morning. Well, actually, my surgery was scheduled for later in the day and I could not eat. That was the hard part. I could not eat anything. They said, if you drink anything, just little sips of water. So my, my, my surgery was scheduled for around, can't remember if it was after one o'clock or a little bit before noon, but it was later, kind of later in the day. And so we went to the hospital, they're doing all their prep thing where they got to get the IV needle in me. And it just so happens the person, the nurse that comes in to do my IV needle is the daughter of one of my best friends. And actually the daughter is, I played at piano at her wedding <laughs> a few years before. So I was glad to see her. I was wondering if she would be, if she worked there, because I knew she worked in this hospital. And so she came, you know, was, she said, I thought that was you. And uh, she was so afraid of hurting me, you know, trying to get the needle in. Because if you, I've told stories how hard it is for, for some reason, for to get things in my veins. And I told her, I don't worry about it because this happens all the time. So she finally got the needle in me. And it, it did help to see a face I knew. So that was nice. And everybody was nice. The people that helped you prep and everything, you know, the staff that I had to talk, that I got to talk to. So they're wheeling me finally into the operating room. And this is, I'm like, okay, is this like on TV? And uh, I get to meet, there's another doctor that's assisting my doctor on doing the surgery. And, he, you know, he introduces himself. I'm Dr. So-and-so. And, and, and come to find out, this doctor actually delivered the three babies of one of my other co-workers. So it, it's weird how, you know, that little circle, everybody kind of knows each other. Well, as they wheeled me into the surgery room, I, you know, he introduced himself and I said, I have a big uterus. I think about it now and I was like, why in the world did I say that? That hadn't even 
really given me anything yet. And I'm just like, yeah, I got a big uterus. And he's thinking, okay. Um, so they get me in my spot. And then my doctor comes over. She's like, are you ready? I'm like, yeah. And it's so nice of her. She's like rubbing my hand. And, and then while she's rubbing my hand, they're putting that little mask on my face. And they told me, okay, take some deep breaths. And I was like, okay. So I took the first one. I was like, oh, okay. And then I took a second one. I thought, wow, that really tastes funny. And then that's the last thing I remember. So whatever it was, it was probably whatever to knock me out. And then they did all their other stuff. So it took about two hours for them to do the surgery, which is, I guess, normal. Hour and a half to two hours is normal. So they, you know, they're wheeling me out. And all I remember is when I started kind of waking up. Um, so one of the things you have if you've never had surgery is you can have extreme gas pain, especially on this type of surgery. So I kept saying, I hate cramps. I hate cramps. And I heard the nurse say, oh, I know. And I and I kept saying, I hate cramps. And then I realized that I kept repeating myself. So I was trying not to repeat myself, but it hurt so bad. So I just started kind of just moaning like, oh. Uh, so they got me in the room. Oh, and this too, when I opened my eyes, uh, I was still kind of uh, nauseous there. So I thought, okay, I better keep my eyes closed while they take me to my recovery room. And so they get me in there and they're trying to slide me over on the regular bed. And I think they didn't have me just right. And I was like, woo. So, uh, so they finally got me on the bed and I was just so happy. It was done. Whew, boy, I tell you, it was uh, quite a journey to get to that. And I'll stop there for today's episode. And the next episode, I'll talk about the recovery part, the part after, because that was quite a process too. But um, the doctor did come in and say, you know, everything went well. Uh, my incision looked good that day when she came in to look. And the nurses were all impressed with the fact I was able to, I actually stood up not too long after my surgery. And, I, and they were like, wow, okay, yeah, okay, sit down. And then um, later when I had to walk around, they were all surprised that I walked as far as I did. I'm thinking, well, what am I supposed to do? Am I, I'm, I don't know. You want me to do it? I can do it. My body sales kill it, do it. So yeah, so that'll be some interesting stories on that part. And I'll talk to you about what's called swelly belly. If you've ever had this type of surgery, you know what I'm talking about. And that was a very big surprise when I woke up from surgery. So anyway, that's what's part of what's been happening in the last few months. Um, had surgery, and then I was recovering from surgery, and I'm finally on the mend, I hope. Some of the things I'll also talk about in the next episode is, of course, I still have my lupus symptoms I deal with and trying to figure out how to do that, but also I've had some changes in my professional life. I got another promotion, so that's been part of what I've been learning in a new job. Same place, I work in the same place, just a different job. So I'll cover all that next time. And I thank everyone again for your support. This means so much to me. And if you have any questions about today's episode or any of the episodes or just want to drop a line, you can contact me by email, gwen at thegwenalexander.com. I also have a contact form on my website, thegwenalexander.com. I've had some emails not too long ago, so make sure if you didn't see a response, because I try to respond to everybody, Check your spam folder. Google likes to throw stuff in the spam if they're from a domain name. Um, you can also fill out the contact form on my website. It's thegwenalexander.com and you click on the contact me button and you can complete the form. And there's also a lupus page on there with some free information from other sources. 
to help you, especially if you've been recently diagnosed with lupus. Or you could also contact me through our Facebook page or Instagram page, Lupus Living Podcast. And one of the things I will continue doing because I like doing this part is ending each episode with a quote. Today's quote I'd like to leave you with is from one of the Rocky movies. It's by Sylvester Stallone's character, Rocky Balboa. And that quote is, It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only. The views of any guest on the podcast are their own. The host of the podcast is not a medical professional. You should consult with your doctor or medical professional before you make any changes that may affect your health in any way.